two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings, for your goodness and your mercy, for the privilege we have to come before you. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning. Help us to apply your word to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to be looking at the book of Romans. Uh, to begin with in chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And beginning with verse 4. The Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may be with one mind and one ma- that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I am, for today's lesson, focusing on that latter part of verse 6, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. The title of our lesson this morning is Let's Talk About Jesus. Uh, It's easy in looking at the title to infer that we are going to be talking about evangelism and talking about uh, telling the world about Jesus Christ. Uh, Evangelism will grow from the principles that we are going to talk about this morning, Uh, but that is not the emphasis of our lesson this morning even though evangelism is a part of our worship. And and in one of our future lessons, we will be talking about evangelism as part of our worship. In Psalm 71, verse 8, the Bible says, Let my mouth be filled with praise and with thy honor all the day. The real focus of today's lesson is on our speech and the use of our tongue. Often we associate uh, our worship with our talking to God, with thanksgiving, with praise, with adoration, in in worship, and and this is how we consider uh, our, our worship. But our worship to God is not only in these kind of settings, not only when we are having our daily devotion, but it also has to do with our day to day speech. Uh, how we uh, converse with one another throughout the day, not only when we are having devotions, but when we are talking amongst ourselves from day to day, when we are talking with our co-workers, when we are talking with other people, does our language, does our speech, does the things that we are saying glorify God? Does our interaction with those in the church exalt Jesus Christ? And I'm not talking about during our worship services, but outside of our worship services. When we are back in the fellowship hall 
and uh, uh, having a meal together and, and, and talking? Does our conversation exalt Jesus Christ? Does it glorify God when we are talking before church or after church or out on the parking lot? Are we exalting Jesus Christ? That doesn't mean that our, our uh, speech has to be uh, totally, uh, strictly saying, uh, well, I, I praise Jesus, I worship Him, and, and constantly talking like that. But we can, in the manner and in the topics that we use, we can glorify Jesus Christ. And so we want to glorify Him in the words that we use. Far too often we only worship God with our lips when we come together to worship or in our set times of personal devotion and we don't even think about whether or not we are honoring God and worshiping Him with our speech at other times. The Bible says in the book of Colossians chapter 4 in verse 6, let your speech always be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. The first thing that we find when we begin to talk about and, and we begin to consider talking about Jesus Christ and, and using our mouth to glorify Jesus Christ is that not everything that we say glorifies Jesus Christ. If we look in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, we find some things that are a result of having a defiled tongue. They are a result of, of not honoring the Lord Jesus Christ and, and they, they tear down instead of building up. Ephesians chapter 5 beginning with verse 1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and in sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither, foolish, or neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. When we read this passage, we find... Uh, the Apostle Paul has included here a list of things that we are not to be defiled by and a list of sins. But there are a number of things that is listed in here uh, that he is talking about how we talk and the things that we say. And, and uh, he tells us, first of all, that we are not to have filthy language. Uh, it is amazing to me how that a lot of times we go out into the to to the world and and there are a lot of people anymore they can't even say a sentence without throwing a number of curse words into the middle or 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 uh, what we what we often uh, say is curse words when uh, really it's profanity or obscenity 
but they, uh, they, they throw in a number of, of obscene words in trying to make a statement. And, and they, they cannot talk without doing that. The Bible is warning us we need to have a clean language. We need God to purify our hearts. We need and 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 thereby purify our lips and, and, and our tongue so that we do not speak and and use a filthy language. It is becoming so common in the world that a lot of times I've heard a lot of professing Christians and it is it is creeping more and more into the church that people are beginning to use language that is not befitting of a Christian and a lot of our so-called slang terms that are not uh, uh, what we would consider curse words a lot of those are are um, substitutes for those for example uh, some people will constantly use the word G and G is just a shortening of the word Jesus and so it is taking the name of the Lord in vain we'll talk about that in a minute sometimes they'll say and forgive me for using it but but sometimes they'll use the word gosh which is a a a a contraction rather than saying God it is a substitute for taking the name uh, uh, and and there are other words uh, that we use to to use in the place of curse words and so it is it has crept in and as we have seen people become comfortable with that I've seen them begin to use more and more, even within the church world, of words that should not be a part of our language. Then the Bible tells us in this, he says not only are we to avoid uh, that which is filthy, uh, but he says no foolish talking. You know, sometimes it is easy for us to get carried away in just foolish talking. Talking that has no meaning, no purpose. And uh, then he goes on, and I'll, I'll talk more about that in just a minute because it, it, it is so close to some of our other uh, things. But then he says, not jesting. The, I, I begin to wonder what exactly was meant here, so I, begin to, I started looking it up. It means frivolous or indecent discourse. The word that is used here for jesting denotes versatility. Literally, it is easily turning or flexibility. It also contains within it the idea of vulgarity and obscene language really what he's talking about in in jesting is you ever met somebody that everything that was said they could find some way to turn it into an off-color joke everything that was said we are not to constantly be uh, uh, taking things and, and and using our words 
and saying one thing to mean something else. And a lot of times that, and we need to be careful about not only in obscenity, but we need to be careful that our words are clearly understood if we're going to glorify God. And, and uh, not in saying one thing while insinuating something else. But then he tells us that our words are not to be vain. We are not to have vain talk. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, O generations of vipers, how can ye be evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart the treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And that's why I said when, when we were talking about foolish talking that I'd talk more about it because this foolish talking and, and the vain talking are closely associated the Bible says we are going to be judged for every idle word. And how often is it that we find ourselves just talking and not really saying anything? We're just talking. Not only does He warn us about our idle words and, and, and our, our uh, being judged for our idle words, but the, the Word of God warns us in the Ten Commandments not to take the Lord's name in vain. It is important that when we are speaking about God or the things of God, that we be careful that they are not just idle words, but we are serious and sincere when we are speaking of God. And a lot of times we talk about... Um, we talk about... Uh, using the name of the Lord in vain and using Jesus' name or, or, or saying uh, God's name in vain to where we just throw it in as though it were a curse word and we condemn that. But how often do we hear and have jokes in which we uh, talk about heaven and we talk about uh, uh, hell or we talk about... Uh, you talk about God and, and uh, different things and aspects of God and make light and make jokes. How often do we use the Scripture and make light of the Scripture? Oh, we say, we believe in the Scripture and we, we believe the Word of God, but how often do we, do we uh, frivolously use the Word of God or try to find humor within the Word of God? And, and instead of taking it serious. And uh, then he warns us not only against vain speech, but he warns us against murmuring. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 says, That ye might be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored. And I missed the verse that I wanted there. Because he goes on to tell us in that, that we are to do all things without murmuring and complaining. Let me turn to it real quick and... and uh, 
But he tells us, he is talking about uh, our shining as lights, and then he tells us that we are to do all things without murmuring and complaining. Did you know sometimes our discontent causes us to diminish our light? We are to be a light to the world. And we are to uh, uh, we are to let our light shine in. I'm not seeing it right now and I don't know where I'm um, but he tell, it, it is within the context of this passage. And then later he goes on to tell us uh, that he has learned, uh, in chapter 4 he tells us, he has learned, the Apostle Paul tells us, I've learned in all things to be content. When we go into a restaurant and we complain, about the service that we receive, it makes it hard for us to then turn around and be a witness to those people. Sometimes it makes it impossible for us to be a witness to those people when we complain and we murmur. And then he also tells us, not only are we to not murmur and complain, but we are also not to quarrel with one another. And he warns us against quarreling with one another. The Bible warns us not only against these things and uh, the fact that there can be a defiled tongue, but in the book of James it warns us of a double tongue. Not only a defiled tongue, but we are warned about having a double tongue. James chapter 3, the Bible says, My brother... Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that, we, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm." Whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind." But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. That the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. He warns us against blessing God and cursing man. He says, how is it that from the same mouth we can worship God and we can tear down our brother? How is it that we can sing praises to God 
and then turn around and with that same mouth curse those around us. First of all, it is hypocritical to have a double tongue, to speak one thing and to say, and at one time and say something else at another time. You know, there are some people, when they're talking to you face to face, they'll talk about how wonderful you are and how great you are. And then when they're talking to somebody else, they'll tell them how wonderful they are and how terrible you are. And we speak with a double tongue. Not only is it hypocritical, but it is without love. James chapter 4, verse 11 says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Did you know when we speak evil of our brothers and sisters, when we speak evil of them, we are putting ourselves in the place of God and putting ourselves in the place of judge? And the Bible says that when we speak evil, we just read it, when we speak evil of the brother, we are speaking evil of the Word of God. It says you're speaking evil of the law. And so to speak evil against our brother, we are speaking evil against God's Word. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21 says, If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen... How can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment we have found, we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So when we talk against our brother, when we do not have love for our brother, and yet we say that we love God, we are lying. We do not really love God if we are destroying our brother with our tongue. And so, if we are destroying our brothers and sisters with our tongue, when we come to church and we raise our hands and we try to worship God and we try to lift our voice and we try to sing praises to God Almighty and we begin to proclaim His name and worship and adore Him, our worship has become a lie. Because He says... If we say that we love God and we do not love our brother, we are lying. And so, too many times, our worship is a lie. Far too often, our worship is a lie. And then, not only do we have to be careful with our our Worship. Is a lie. It becomes destructive. We tear down instead of building up. We destroy one another. And so having a double tongue, 
when we praise God with one part of our mouth and then turn around and destroy our brother or talk evil about our brother, we are destroying the body of Christ. There is a, a deceitful tongue. There is a defiled tongue that, that we talked about. A double tongue. But so often we warn about the misuse of the tongue. But the Bible also talks about the delightful tongue. The tongue that is true. The tongue that speaks and glorifies and honors God. The psalmist said, Set a watch, O God, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. The tongue that God delights in First of all, is thankful. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, which we read early on in talking about the defiled tongue. He says, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. But then he tells us what is the proper use. He says, But rather giving of thanks. With our tongue, we need to be thankful. And if we really have a heart of gratitude, we read it's what's in the heart that comes out through the mouth. So, so just changing our speech is not enough. We have to change our heart. And as we become grateful and have a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of gratitude then the other things fade away as our mouth begins to sing forth praises of thanksgiving. The problem is, it has to start in the heart. I've had people tell me, thank you for things. And it's like, they're not thankful for that. You can tell by their actions even though the words said thank you, there was not a heart of gratitude for that which was... And there are times that a person doesn't say thank you, but the way that they respond and the way they interact, there is a gratefulness even though the words thank you may not have come out. First Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Not only are we to have a thankful heart and a thankful tongue, but we are to edify one another with our tongue. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 
We are to edify the body of Christ with our speech. We are to build up one another with our conversations. And this does not just simply mean, far too often we take it to mean just when we are here in the sanctuary. But could I tell you, it is important that we edify one another at all times with all of our conversations. I've shared it before, but a number of years ago we were at a particular uh, meeting, Tammy and I were, and uh, on the first night of the uh, meeting, uh, the motel that we were staying at that year, uh, there was a man from there that was uh, dropping off the night speaker uh, at the motel while we were there. And so I told him, I said, hey, we're staying at the motel anyway. Uh, there's no need you having to make a special trip over to the motel and pick him up and take him to the church and bring him back. He can just ride with us and save you the trip. Well, it was about a 20-minute ride from the motel over to the church. And this particular man uh, was... Uh, that was writing with us, it was a night speaker, was well versed in the Word of God and just constantly talking about the Word of God. And so a lot of times we'd meet him down at, at breakfast and then we'd get in the van to drive over to the church for that 20 minute ride and he would start sharing things out of the Word of God. And he would begin to talk about the Word of God. And we'd, we would get to the church and we'd go in for a morning service and then after church, we would go over for lunch, and, and that particular year we ate almost every one of our meals that particular uh, week with Brother and Sister Greaves, and, and we'd sit down, and, and Brother Kincaid, who was the one that was riding with us, uh, a lot of times he would join us, and, and uh, we'd sit there at lunch, and Brother Greaves and Brother Kincaid would just begin to talk about the Word of God, and, and expound the Word of God over lunch, and talk about the Word of God. And then we'd drive back to the motel in the 20-minute drive. He, Brother Kincaid would just continue to talk about things from the Word of God. And, and then uh, we'd go back to the motel room. And by the time we got back to the motel room, we were so full and so edified from having heard the Word of God constantly all morning long that we would begin to talk about the things that we'd heard. And then we'd get ready for the night service and we'd head back for that 20-minute drive back to the church. And again, he would expound and, 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 and then uh, be there for church service, go to fellowship after the church service and sit there and talk about the Word of God and then drive back constantly feasting on the Word of God. And that meeting probably meant more to me than, than many camp meetings that I have been in because there was that constant talking about the Word of God, not just when we were in church, but when we were gathered around the dining room table. I will tell you, one year I was at a camp meeting and leaving the, the tabernacle to go to the cafeteria for, for lunch, before I ever got out of the building, the particular man that was ministering that time told me a dirty joke in the tabernacle. Not had much use for him as a preacher since then. But, uh, I, you know, the fact of the matter is, sometimes, if we're not careful, that's where our conversation goes. Oh, we may not tell a dirty joke. But as soon as we leave the tabernacle or as soon as we leave the church, if we're having a fellowship in the back, 
What are we talking about? Are we talking about the Word of God? Are we talking about the things that will build one another up? Are we talking about how the Cardinals are going to do this year? Are we concerned about what's happening in the sports? It's not necessarily a sin to occasionally talk about some of those things, but we need to be more intentional about talking about the things of God in our everyday life. Not only are we to edify one another, but obviously we are to praise. We are to adore. We are to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 109 verse 30 says, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will praise Him among the multitude. We are to praise God, to lift Him up, to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, to magnify Him with our lips, to give Him glory, to give Him honor, to speak of Him. And then last of all, and it kind of incorporates many of these areas, but we need to worship God by teaching one another. I don't just mean a formal teaching of a Sunday school class or children's church or, or that kind of thing. But when we come together, it is our opportunity to teach and encourage one another and to help. There are a lot of younger people in our church that needs to hear what some of the elders have to say. The Bible tells us that it is the responsibility of the older women to teach the younger women. This does not just mean in a formal classroom type setting, but we teach in the things that we say in our conversations. There are times that it is appropriate. to instruct other individuals. And we need to instruct them in the ways of God, particularly those that are coming on. It has to be done in a right spirit. It has to be done in a right frame of mind. But sometimes young people in their zeal will get up and testify, and they'll say something that's contrary to Scripture. There is an appropriate way and an appropriate time to go to them and instruct them in the ways of God. Aquila and Priscilla did that with Apollos. They instructed him in the Word of God and explained more fully the Word of God to him that he might be a... a, uh, more accurate preacher and, and, and more rightly proclaim the Word of God. And so we must instruct and teach one another in the ways of God. That instruction can come in a number of ways. I remember one night years ago, we were, we went out to eat 
with uh, Jim and Roberta Suits. And there was another uh, individual or another couple that was with us. And I was amazed as the meal progressed. Brother Suits just started talking about some things in general in life. And talking about some things that people had done that weren't the way it should have been done. And, but in doing that, he was talking about some very issues that that individual had in their life that needed to be dealt with. But I don't think Brother Suits even knew it the way he said it. But we can teach in our conversations over a meal. Or, or whatever. There are different ways to instruct. One, one, one of, it, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, but it's one that I've been bold enough to, to say something to some of our younger people about. Is preacher will get up, a young preacher will get up, read his text or say his opening remarks or whatever and say let's go to the Lord in prayer and when he gets ready to pray he'll pull the microphone down away from his mouth and just kind of mumble and not pray out loud I told him I've told a, a number of them I said you need to pray learn to pray where people can hear you pray number one you need to learn to pray like that and number two it teaches them to pray and there's, there, I, I can tell you of more than one that heard what I said and, and have changed the way they do that after I said something to them. They had never thought about it and they, they started to then pray. And I, to, I told some of them, I said, I said if, you're, if you're concerned about your prayer, there is nothing. I know, I know sometimes we, we preach against formalism so much that we're afraid to do this and you know, God forbid that a Pentecostal would do this. But until you learn how to do it, if you have to write down some notes for your prayer so that you know what to pray when you pray and how to pray, then write down some notes for your prayer as well as you do for the rest of your message. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Next week, that's going to be our focus. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all to His glory. Everything in our life should be part of our worship not just when we come together as a congregation. Father, thank You for Your Word. God, I pray that we would take the truths that are found in Your Word, apply them to our hearts and lives. God, I pray that the Holy Ghost would help to burn the message from Your Word upon our hearts, Lord, where I have failed and, and have stammered and and Lord, not been as clear as I need to be this morning, I pray that the Holy Ghost would make your word clear to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name.
platform. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com. Thank you.